Hey everybody, it's Pastor Will. Welcome or welcome back to the Brazos Fellowship Podcast. Thank you for listening today. And at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast if you aren't already. But more importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Good morning, everybody. Great to see you all. Thanks for being here as we kick off the Christmas season. I know I look a little different, a little smoother than the last time you saw me, probably. Uh, oh my gosh. Well, thank you. I've never been applauded for shaving before. Thank you. That's awesome. Uh, so my wife also applauded at home, so she was very glad. Uh, anyway, so good to see you guys. We're going to kick off a brand new series, and we're going to carry all the way through to Christmas Eve. So I hope that you're able to catch all the different parts of the series, because it all kind of works together. Uh, we're calling it God With Us. And a big part of why we're talking about God With Us is because all of us at one time or another, and many times it can happen even at the Christmas season, we have asked this question right here. Where is God right now? And that typically is asked whenever the circumstances of our life don't match up or meet up with what we believe to be true about God. It just feels like there's some incongruent, not congruent, let's go that way, not congruent with what you believe about God. And many times that happens whenever bad things happen to good people or what I don't know about you, but makes me even a little bit more frustrated when I see really good things happen to bad people. <laughs> that one's even harder, I think, sometimes. But it's usually when bad things are happening to us, when we're going through a hard time, when we're going through difficulty, sorrow, loss, that's when we start to ask this question, where is God right now? But what's interesting is that the historical account of the birth of Jesus, this very first, this Christmas story, it is wrought with this type of moment. Over and over, it is really a difficult story for every person involved in the story. There's many hard things that they're asked to do where I'm sure they ask the same question. And for those of you ladies in here that have been pregnant, can you imagine right before your delivery riding a donkey for a couple of days? Wow, that would be a hard thing. Us guys would not even have any clue how hard that would be. But that would be, there's many things that they were asked to do. It was very, very hard. And right in the middle of the Christmas story that's recorded for us in the Gospel of Matthew, uh, one of the two, also in Luke, we have the Christmas story, but those are the only two places in, in the Bible that we have that. But right in the middle of the story, Matthew reminds us of an incredible prophetic statement that was made 700 years before the birth of Jesus by the prophet Isaiah, chapter 7, verse 14. And here's what he says about this birth of Jesus. He says, look, the virgin will conceive a child and she will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means, let's say it together, which means God is with us. His name, his prophetic name of Jesus is God is with us. But there are going to be times in life where you, you'll have circumstances, and maybe you're in one right now, that challenges this notion. And you feel like, yeah, I want to believe that, but it's really hard right now. Because here's the truth, is that if you're a follower of Jesus, you're a Christian today, and I fall into this camp too, it is easy to believe that God is with us on the mountaintops of life, right? When you get promoted, 
You get a really great Christmas bonus. Oh, that would be wonderful, right? Your, 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 your team is winning. Your kids are winning. Your kids are sleeping through the night. Thank you, Lord. That's awesome, isn't it? Or you're going to the mall, whether it's Post Oak or some other mall, and you're praying for a parking space, especially this time of the year, and one opens up right by the door. You're like, oh, right, praise Jesus. You get out of the car, and you're like, I never felt closer to God than right now. This is awesome. <laughs> It's the mountaintops. It's easy to believe that God's with us. It's easy to believe. It is so much more difficult in the valleys of life. When you're hurting, when you're scared, you're alone, you just get really bad news, you're desperate, you don't know where to turn. It's really, really hard. I I remember one of the the darkest, most difficult moments, valleys that Leslie and I ever went through. It was a little over 15 years ago. We were living uh, in North Dallas, so it was really nice. <laughs> we, uh, I was uh, pastoring a little church up there just a few years out of seminary, and um, it was an idyllic type situation. We had all these wonderful friends, and right in the middle of all that, there was just confirmation after confirmation that God made that he wanted us to move and move not just like down the street, but to the border and to start another church. And it was such a hard thing to say goodbye to our friends, to sell our house and to move and to move to a place where we didn't know anybody. And we're starting over from scratch and there's no guarantees. I mean, we're trusting God, but I also know guys that had trusted God and pastored churches that didn't make and didn't do well. And they went on to do other things and God was with them in all of that, but it was hard, 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 hard. And right in the middle of this move, Leslie's grandfather passes away, a man that we dearly loved. We're literally at the reception of his funeral And I get a call from my brother saying my dad's health had taken a terrible turn. And two weeks later, ladies and gentlemen, I'm at my daddy's funeral. Right in the middle of this move, leaving all of our friends, support system, everything, and moving to the border, leaving everybody (laughs) that we really knew, and dealing and mourning the loss of two great men in our life. It was a tragic, horrible, difficult valley And maybe you're in one like that, or you've been through one through 2018 or 17. It's been a hard year. And Christmas has a way of bringing back up the hurt from loss, the loss of loved ones, the loss of a relationship, maybe a loss in your marriage. Maybe it's just not in a good place right now. There's stresses in your life. There's financial stresses. It's difficult. It's hard. You're going through maybe in some area, maybe every area is really good, but there's just one area that's in the valley right now. And it's just kind of dragging every, it's like the boat anchor that's pulling everything else kind of down. It kind of is a downer to every other area. And you just kind of don't know what to do about that right now. We're going to talk about that today, because that's such an important thing to know how to navigate these moments in life. Because here's the thing, we enjoy God on the mountaintops, but it really is only till we get to the valleys, but we get to know him intimately in the valleys, intimately, really coming to know God. Usually somebody who has a deep, profound, ongoing, long-term relationship with God has a story to tell you of a valley, at least one, maybe many, that they've been through, that God saw them through. And we're going to talk about what to do if you're there today. Now, 
What do we do? I'm going to take our, our focus today and turn it to a passage in the Old Testament, the uh, book of Psalms, chapter 84, Psalm 84. We're going to look at verses starting with verse 5 through verse 7. And there's some incredible insight here in this passage for us on how to deal with the valleys of life. So here's what I'd like to do. Let's start off by reading through the passage, and then we're going to work our way through it and pull out some application for our lives today. It says, and if you would, read these highlighted words with me. What joy for those whose strength comes from the Lord, who have set their minds on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. When they walk through the valley of weeping, it will become a place of refreshing springs. The autumn rains will clothe it with blessing, and they will continue to grow strength. That's right, stronger. And, and it, it, it's, it's a powerful promise here, but I want to go all the way back up to the very first verse here about those whose joy, it's a joy because their strength is coming from the Lord. Let me ask you a question this morning. How's your strength doing right now? Like gut level honest. If you could just think about it for a minute, because I know a lot of people going into the Christmas season just feel kind of exhausted already. And I know I'm just getting started. I, I don't know how much more of this I can do. I don't know how much more I can keep this pace up. Life, work, family, everything is just overwhelming. It's just go, 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 go all the time. And I just feel exhausted. And maybe it's a, a marital stress that you're going through right now. Stress with your kids. You're not sure what to do. Or maybe it's financial Everybody, this time of the year, all these perfect, beautiful pictures and social media, Christmas is this idyllic time of the year, but if you can't provide the idyllic Christmas for your family, sometimes you feel like a failure. You feel like, well, I'm just not doing my job, and it's kind of depressing. Christmas isn't what I want it to be, and it's just this kind of a downer, and you feel weak, and you feel frustrated but I want to remind you of something that this verse does not say. It doesn't say what joy for those who go out and do it all on their own, on their own strength. But that he says for those whose strength comes from the Lord. And this is so important because we live in a day when everybody wants to be completely independent. I got this is a great line. We like to always say to each other, I got this, I got this, I got this. But it's so important at times where we can admit, I don't got this, okay? I need God. Oh my goodness, I need God so bad right now because I don't, I've come to the end of me. I am at the end of my strength. And it's so important to admit that and to recognize that. One of the greatest, most prolific Christians of the New Testament, Paul, the apostle, he wrote that, that it's in my weakness that his strength, meaning God, Jesus's, becomes perfect, like he perfects his strength in me through my weakness. So the faster I admit my weakness and the more I say I'm totally dependent on you, the more I realize and begin to channel the strength of God through me that I can tap into his reservoir of, of strength in times when I am done. I got nothing left. So let's start there. That maybe today it's just admitting I'm weak. I need God's strength. So that's a, that's a great place that we begin. This says, for what joy for those whose strength comes from the Lord, who have, let's say it together, who have set their minds on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. Now, Jerusalem 
was the place that housed the temple of God for the people of God, the Jews, the Israelites. That it was a place where God was worshipped. It housed his power and his presence. And still for us today, as we read passages like this, if you're a follower of God, that Jerusalem is a symbol to represent the power, the presence. It was a city of peace. It was a city of refuge. It was a city of safety. It was a place that they wanted to go. And and this is still, there's a yearning in our heart to be close to the presence and power of God. Yes, and that's where the strength comes from, from Him. And that they were moving toward it. On a regular basis, they made time to go and to be close to that presence of God. But in order to get to Jerusalem, they had to pass through a valley. In verse 6, it tells us this. It says that they, though they set their minds on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem, as they passed through the valley of, and a minute ago, uh, and from the NLT, we saw weeping, but the literal translation here in the NIV or the New International Version is the valley of Baca, which this word Baca comes from a tree from that region of the world. The psalmist is, is metaphorically saying it's like this tree, like a balsam tree that weeps sap all the time. It looks like it's crying. They call it the vaca. He says this, this valley is a valley. Just, you just cry almost the whole way through it. It's so sorrowful. It's so difficult. It's so hard. It's a season of life, and everybody goes through it. Nobody escapes the valley of Baca. Everybody's got to go through it. And what's interesting is that geographically, to get to Jerusalem, most people had to pass right through this valley of Baca. And they, while they're there, this is interesting, those who gain their strength from God, their joy is in the strength of God, and they make it a place of springs. It's a desolate, dry place. That valleys in the, the scripture over and over were a place where battles were fought. They were desolate, awful places where thorns and thistles grew and wild animals were there and there were vipers and wild cats that would attack you and bandits at times that would jump you. You had to look out. You almost never could pass through a valley without dealing with some kind of danger. Like it was always an issue. And he's saying that this valley, you have to pass through the valley to get to the place of peace. But what's interesting here. Is it's so important to remind ourselves that he says, as they pass through this valley, that not only are their feet pointed towards Jerusalem, like they're moving, physically moving towards God, his power, his presence, but he says they have set their minds. As they go through this valley of Baca, of weeping, of loss, of difficulty, and that may be where you are today, it is so, so, so important to pay close attention to what you focus your mind on. Where does your mind go? What do you think about all the time? Because the gravitational pull on every human being when you're going through a valley is to obsess over the valley, to look at it. Look how hard life is and to tell everybody how hard your life is and how awful it is and how he didn't treat you right and she didn't treat you right and everybody's taking advantage of you and everything and all that might be true. But where is your focus? Because their focus is on this place of God's power and his presence. Where you are circumstantially and physically In your life is one thing, but where you are mentally, in your mind, 
should be an altogether different place. Where do you focus your mind when you're going through it? You may be swirling with emotions and anxiety and frustrated and stressed out, but I'm encouraging you, take time, pull back, and set your mind on the power of God. I'm going to set my mind on the Lord. I'm going to take time. I might be stressed out, but I'm going to take time to set my mind on God every day. This may be a dry and desolate place, but they make it a place of springs. You see, they act upon it. They impose their will upon their environment. They make their environment, their circumstance different because they choose something different than the circumstance that they're surrounded. They don't just say, oh, well, I have no choice. I can't, there's no way I can change this. This is just the way it is. They don't settle for that. God, I think we could do better. I think I can change this. I think this relationship could be better. I think this situation at work could be better. I think uh, my relationship with my kids could be better. God, I'm, I'm going to stop, take a moment, draw on your strength, and ask you to help me to do better in the middle of this baka, this valley. My question for you this morning, what is your baka? What are you going through right now? What is your valley? Maybe it's just one area. Maybe it's just one person. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's a situation at work, at home, with your parents, in-laws. What is it for you? I want you to really think about it. And where does your mind tend to focus? Where do you set your mind? Where do you focus your thoughts when this baka comes up, when you're in the middle of it? I think it's so important. Even King David, I love over in Psalm 23, verse 4, here's what David said. He says, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I mean, you want to talk about Baca, like this is, it's dark, things are coming after me, people were trying to hunt him down and kill him in his life. He says, I will fear no evil. Why? How? For you are with me, Emmanuel. God, I just need to stop, remind myself that the same God who is with me up on the mountaintop is still with me in the valley. We forget it. We stop believing it. And we focus on the valley. We focus on the opposition. You remember over, I believe it's in Matthew 14, this beautiful moment. It's really kind of scary for the disciples, but it's the middle of the night. They're on a boat. The storm is raging. They're scared to death. They're all going to die. And here comes Jesus walking up on the waves. And Peter looks at Jesus and he's holding on. Jesus, I can't believe you're like surfing with no board. That's amazing. Won't you call me out to you? He says, come on, brother. Let's go. He gets out of the boat. He starts walking, and it says that he's looking at Jesus, and all of a sudden, he starts focusing on the wind and the waves and the storm, and he's focusing on the valley of Baca, and all of a sudden, we're told he starts sinking, sinking down, and it says immediately, Jesus grabs his hand, pulls him up. Oh, ye of little faith, why did you doubt? Because you focused on the baka. You focused on the opposition. You focused on the storm. You focused on everything that's swirling about you. And it's so important that when you're in the middle of that baka, that you are willing to pause and make time to focus on him. 
You see, the valley is the pathway to the place of peace. You don't get to peace without passing through the valley. We all want to skip the valley. We all want to hit the eject button and get out of there as quick as possible and escape. Many times this is why drugs and alcohol enter into somebody's life. I can't handle this anymore. I want out. I'm going to quit this relationship. I'm done. I'm out of here. I'm chucking in the towel. I'm, I'm bailing out on people, on God, whatever, because it's hard. It's difficult. It's painful. I don't want to do this anymore. But we forget the valley. It's critical. It's so important. You've got to stay put. You've got to trust, and you've got to go through it. Because through the valley is the pathway to the place of peace. And what's really beautiful is that this same passage, Psalm um, 84, verse 6, in the King James Version, right here it says this. It says, passing through the valley of Baca, make it a well. They make it a spring, as it said in the NIV, but they make it a well. This dry and arid place, again, they impose their will on their circumstances. I'm not going to settle for this. I'm going to dig a well. I'm going to dig down because I'm thirsty. I'm dying here. I got to have some of the living water of the Lord. In other words, dig a hole, dig a well in the middle of your schedule. Make time for God. Push things back. Design your life where you can connect with God, where you can set your mind, fix your thoughts, fix your gaze, fix your eyes on the Lord, especially in the middle of your valley of Baca. So critically important because everything else will vie for your attention and everything else will make you want to focus on it, but take the time and this doesn't happen in a hurry. It doesn't happen in a rush. You've got to slow down. You've got to be quiet and be before the Lord and spend some time reading his wisdom and reflecting on it. I know for me, going through that dark valley, one of the things that God used in a powerful way, besides having an awesome wife that prayed for me and encouraged me often, was journaling, spending time, not just reading, but dumping my guts on the page. This was not a journal that I would want to sit down and read to my children, okay? I just want to be honest with you. You need to have a place where you can get gut level raw and real with God. You need that. If you're going through a real valley, that's all you got to give to God sometimes is the real and raw and just like Here's where I really am, God. I'm not playing church. I'm not trying to say all. I'm not trying to just be nice here. I'm like, this is where I really am, and I need your help. And you need to, some of you need to hear this today because this is where you are, and this is the lifeline you've been looking for to pull you out of this cesspool. Out of Because some of you, instead of passing through the valley, you have set up shop, and this is your life now. You live here. You don't need to live here. No, I... Pass through the valley of the shadow of death. Though they pass through the valley of Baca on their way to Jerusalem. This is, not, this is just a part of life. It's not going to define your life from this day forward. But to make a well, to make time. And it's interesting, all through scripture you see God giving these conditional if-then statements. It's like the harvest principle. It's we reap what we sow, right? What we, what we put out there, God says, in other words, he's saying, I want you to take a step towards me, and you're going to see me take a step towards you. Show me your faith, and I will show you my faithfulness. 
You want to see the faithfulness of God? Start making room. Start digging a well. Make room in your schedule. Make room in your day. Make room in your heart. And make room in your focus, in your fix, fixation of your life, and God will begin to use it. In other words, God says, if you dig it, God says, I'm going to fill it, okay? But you've got to take time to, to spend some time with me. If you draw near to me, I will draw near to you, he tells us in Scripture. If you seek me, you're going to find me. If you make room for me, I'm going to reveal myself to you. And if we could be just gut level honest in this room right now, some of you in here, it's been a long time since you have had an encounter with God. Maybe it's been forever. Like you can't even remember the last time. Maybe it's never happened for you. And it's time. You crave it. You long for it. You would love to have an encounter with God. But let me tell you once again, that will never ever happen while you're in a rush. It doesn't happen in the hurriedness of life. It is when we slow down and we dig a well. We make time. We, we carve out time in our day. We carve out time to be with God. And it's amazing when we do that how God will begin to speak to us and move in our life and speak through his word and speak through circumstances and speak through people and speak through our prayer life and through everybody. Your children, he'll speak through anybody. It's amazing how all of a sudden your ears are attuned to the Spirit of God and you just begin to get his messages are coming. You know, one of the most type A guys in all of the Bible was Moses, just go, go, go all the time, right? And when God wanted to get his attention, he's out working, like he's in the middle of his work day and God puts this burning bush. He goes over and like, wow, what is this? Like, this is going to make a great story when I get back to the house. And God says, no, that's not what this is about. As a matter of fact, I want you to take your sandals off where you're standing is holy ground. I want you to slow down and get quiet for a minute because I got something I need to tell you that's going to change not only your life, your families, but the course of human history. It'll change everything, but you have to listen. You've got to slow down. And some of you don't make the room, and you're not hearing, and you're not enjoying the encounter, but you've got to be quiet, be still, and know that I am God, God says. Make room for an encounter. The presence of God takes room. You've got to make time. You've got to set it aside, and you've got to guard it and protect it. Don't blow it off. Make it a part of your day. Make it a part of your routine every day. Whenever that works best for you, morning, noon, evening, whenever, make the time, especially if some area of your life, you're in that valley of Baca right now. So incredibly important because we forget. It's so easy to celebrate and enjoy him up on the mountaintop, but he is the same God that was on the mountaintop. He is with you in the valley. And here's the thing, folks, is that God never promises you won't go through the valley. He just promises you won't go through it alone. But you can, and many people do, go through it alone every single day because they don't stop and make room, make time, dig a hole, let him fill it. Draw near, and I'll draw near to you. Seek me, and you will find me. And you will, you will encounter me in a way that you never thought possible because it's in your pain that some of the most profound understandings, ahas, insights that God ever wants to share with you is going to come through your pain, not the pleasure of the mountaintop. Those are wonderful, and they're awesome when they happen. 
But God wants to speak to you through the pain. And what's interesting is that it's through the valley that God becomes what you're missing. We're all deficient in some area. And as Paul says, that he becomes our sufficiency where we are insufficient. And you find your insufficiencies when you come to the end of your strength and you are so painfully aware of your own personal weakness. Like, I don't, don't do well with this. I didn't navigate that well. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done that. That was a dumb decision. God help me. You admit it and be real and open. But it's in those valleys that God meets us and he becomes what we're missing. Here's what I mean. When you find yourself in darkness, he's your light. In the storm of life, he is your peace. And in your troubles, he's your joy. And in your weakness, he is your strength. But you've got to draw near to him. You've got to make time for him. It's beautiful to hear through the, the years of pastoring this church how many different families that I've heard this story come to me. That, that they have gone through times of, of pain and difficulty like someone that they dearly, dearly loved, that they lost to illness, parents who have lost a child. I mean, I don't know if it gets any more painful than that. Couples that have been through infidelity, people who've been through financial loss, lost everything, like just devastated. And stuff that was so painful, so raw, so awful, that they would say, I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. But you know what? I wouldn't trade what God did through it for anything. Like, it's amazing how it changed our life going through that valley. Our marriage will never be the same. Like, we're closer than we've ever been. Our family is closer than it's ever been. My relationship with God, I'm closer with God than I've ever been because of the pain of that valley of Baca. I went through it, and I trusted him. And my gosh, it changed everything. Incredible. And maybe that's where you are today. And it's time to say, I can't do this on my own. I can't do this in my own power. I need to trust God. I need to trust God. Because in your pain, he becomes your comforter. He becomes what you need. He's the God that we enjoy up on the mountaintop. And he is with us in the valley because he is Emmanuel, God with us. And back in Psalm 84, verse 7, it tells us that if we draw near to him, that he will add strength upon strength. The strength will just continue to grow stronger and stronger and stronger. I want to encourage you today to draw your strength from him. Set your mind on him. Dig a hole, dig a well in your life and in your schedule. Make time, make room for him right now. Wherever that valley is taking place, just dump your guts to him. Be honest, be real, and keep doing it. Don't just let it be a one-time shot, but start doing it on a regular basis, and you will be amazed how God will meet you, that he is the God that is with us in the mountaintops and in the valleys. Here's our application prayer. I want, to pray, I want you to pray with me today, simply saying, Jesus, I choose to fix my mind on you as I go through this valley. I trust in your strength as you become what I am missing. And I'd like to ask you right now, if you would, bow with me. We're going to pray together. 
And those of you who are followers of Christ, there is some area of your life that you've been trusting God for some time, that you need to see him move, that you're still asking for strength to help you to go through this valley. And I want to just encourage you right now, if you could just get as real as you can within your heart and your mind to get real before God and say, God, here's what I need. I'm going to fix my mind on you. And here's where I am deficient. Here's what's missing in my life. And here's what I need from you. Please, God. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Brazos Valley, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environments, visit us at brazosfellowship.com. That's brazosfellowship.com.